Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. We're going to start with some common sense observations. That's what we're known for. That's why we're normal. If, like us, you don't live in Brooklyn, you've probably noticed hyperinflation at the gas pump. You probably asked yourself the obvious question that is on everyone's mind, except the journalists, that the Biden administration pays not to say it out loud. You're probably asking, why are the thousands of people in this country who are paid not to produce value pretending to be surprised by inflation? Shouldn't they be in prison for pumping economic estrogen into the nation's bloodstream? It's a good question. Not only is the millennial feminist class enjoying salaried teaching assistant positions instead of answering to the justice system, they're becoming emboldened to state the economic agenda out loud. Take a listen. Care is always bound up in power. Care jobs are imagined as feminized, but care jobs, all jobsness is about contestation and receivability and organization and power. And it's like, there's not, it's all about design. That was Medium Femme, a new podcast by the Money on the Left Editorial Collective, where two women try to talk about money. If you're like us, and you are, you're probably wondering, why are they allowed to say this? Who's paying them? Why aren't they at home getting spanked by their father in prison where they belong? If you listen past the bong rips and premarital flirtations, you can hear very clearly what the agenda is. Care jobs, where men are paid to be women. What about husbands? We haven't heard back on that one, but we'll keep you posted. So what does this do for the economy? Exactly what you would expect if you're an everyday person who goes to church and not a dirty journalist. We've known since Charles Darwin and Isaac Newton, two genius men that children today never learn about. Why, you ask? We'll find out when the Biden administration tells us. Darwin and Newton turned our ordinary intuitions into precise mathematical equations, but the underlying principles are simple physics or biology. If you pay people money to do things that don't contribute to Western civilization, you weigh down the money supply with indecisive nonsense. Even a child could tell you that, or they could if they weren't being brainwashed by the journalists. Shallow work is the work we do, and shallow work breeds nothing new. Hey, welcome to Superstructure. Hey We've there. Got Nabby Smith here today, and who is that? Uh, this is Will Beeman. We don't have our third co-host, Maximilian Seho, right now because he is in the middle of a hellish move. Uh, which is all moves, um, but this one is especially Max bad for him because it's just a him. Zillion. Max Zillion. Mm -hmm. um, I have recently thought of that like a child. That's what he, he spells it <laughs> like million with an apostrophe somewhere in the middle. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so today uh, we have an episode that is about a very unsavory figure, um, which is Tucker Carlson. And, you know, I mean, for me anyway, since we started the show, um, I think that Tucker's sort of style of politics has always sort of been, you know, built into the thesis of this show as where what we have called zero sum 
political formulations lead. And I think we'd like to tease out a little bit more what we mean by that and maybe kind of revisit first principles. Um, and, you know, I think all of our listeners probably know who Tucker Carlson is, uh, but we we do want to take a little bit of time to, to talk about that um, because we tormented ourselves with research, uh, watching That a means lot. Will, Will sent the videos he had all already seen. And, <laughs> and I watched them all because I'm a little crazy that way. And this was not that much for me. I'm like, oh, like five, hour, five hours of video? This is, I got it. This is good. Yeah, <laughs> I think in, in the same way that Max and Natty are like morbidly curious about the Bruneggs and... Um, <laughs> Um, who's the other one? And Dasha, obviously. Um, and Red Scare, I've been... Who, who, is, who is that? <laughs> um, she's she's an actress, I think. Uh, she's on Max's oh, nice. favorite show, Succession, that I'm sure has nothing to do with, uh, with Dasha being on it, why that's his favorite. Um, but... I think it's just like a popular show. <laughs> I think people really like my <laughs> acting. Uh... <laughs> I mean, they liked it before that, but that's like certainly an additional attraction. <laughs> yeah, so so we've been, um, so Tucker is sort of my morbid curiosity and has been for a while. T- Tucker is your bet noir. Yeah, this is yeah. your person you have like uh, studied. I'm, yeah, I'm not proud of it. Um, maybe it's, yeah, I don't know. It, maybe maybe it's because I grew up in kind of like, you know, mid-Atlantic area. And like, I don't know, there's something about his cultural sensibilities mm. that are very familiar to me. Um, so like, that's a little bit of a mind fuck when I see that. But um, But also he's fucking massive in terms of, platform i mean this is like by far and away his show pulls more viewers every night than every other network combined and i think Um, he's a thought leader for the right yeah yeah that's that's the other thing is like there there are a lot of like blowhard people where like not only is that their shtick but they also are just really dumb um and tucker's kind of interesting as as you kind of dig into his various you know the interviews that he does and like just the degree to which he code switches between you know this sort of buttoned up non-confrontational but non-confrontational in a very like you know it's very lower class to be confrontational like that kind of a posture versus um you know then when he's on his show when he's like playing the kind of the dumb demagogue and you you see in his yeah um, his he's way ragier on his show i mean he's ragey in real in his other ones too but it's like a evil laugh ragey yeah it's it's like uh just like i'm a piece of shit aren't we all yeah he's like i can't judge anyone (laughs) (laughs) yeah he has this like horrible boarding school laugh that's like it's like that i guess i can't speak i have an intense i didn't go to boarding school but i have an intense laugh but it's like it's so super villain it's just like oh shit yeah well the thing is your laugh is intensely genuine whereas his feels like it's like he's punctuating the end of his sentence with this like <laughs> maniacal dolphin laugh or something that just and it's, it's always after he'd said something awful like uh the thing about aging is you realize you're loathsome that's that's the root of wisdom is to know you're an asshole <laughs> 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 you're just like what i don't know it's just it's no a lot. it's 
completely. And these these are all quotes that have been um, yeah. that have been marinating in our poor brains for the last yeah. the last couple days. Um, yeah. So yeah, like he he has this you know enormous you know nightly show. It's like the most watched show on TV. Um, and he also has a daytime show uh, where he like. Yeah, where I don't even know if I, um, if my like insane fixation, like research assignments included the daytime show, but it's no. very like, so you know how he has Tucker Carlson tonight and it's like- That's where he's doing the frowny face. Which yeah. the frowny face he doesn't do in his interviews. I was like, oh, he's not doing the furrowed brow that actually is put on. Like, it's like you thought is like his face had frozen that way, but no. No, yeah, it's it's really interesting <laughs> because he, he'll talk about also, like I've heard him in interviews talk about, you know, how, like he'll speak reflexively about how he is on TV and that yeah. being specific to, in his words, what TV is for. Oh, he's super is, reflexive about the medium of, of TV. Yeah, um, but then he has this daytime show that's very like, he looks like he's like on the campaign trail or something. There's like no tie wearing the kind of button button up, you know, checkered shirt with like, you know, khakis or something. And, and then it's like, and the set is like, it's like everything is made out of wood and it's like he's in a uh, cabin It's like or another something. barn, just like his barn in Maine where he works slash whatever the fuck, I don't yeah, where he everything to has be, to be a barn, an eternal barn. You know? <laughs> he pretends to be Teddy Roosevelt up in Maine, yeah, yeah. Not, not doing the show. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we wanted to. Um, I, I know Natty, you especially. Is that the? Mm. Is, sorry, I was going to say, is that the? Sh that's the show where he said how like COVID is feminizing because it takes away your life force. I think so. Yeah, he I does so, more yeah. of his. Um, he he's like. He plays a smarter person on the daytime show than he does elsewhere, oh, you know. It's more it's, of his person, his personable person. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not it's not the it's not the straight on camera direct address like dispatch to occupied America. It's not like that. It's like um, it's it's like the camera is takes takes in two people, and it's always like Tucker Carlson and like you know some youtuber who like does rants about feminism or something mm. who's like mm. who's, yeah, being, totally. who's being brought on as a thought leader and then occasionally they'll have like Ron DeSantis or like you know somebody who's like a you know an actual politician or something um it's all very interesting and and evil and conniving and really puts into relief what he is doing with what he considers to be the lowest common denominator of his communication right which is the, yeah. the nightly show um but i i know that you did a lot of um you you did a lot of like really deep catch-up research i'm wondering if you want to um, yeah share just, some highlights yeah i just was compiling a bit from the things you sent me but his interesting uh as far as like he's a guy who kind of grew up between I mean everybody knows he's like the Swanson uh heir and like grew up in San Diego which he at one point is like Caracas Caracas when I was a kid and visited was just like San Diego you see if you don't 
if you if you let inequality get too big, um, Chavez will come. So yeah, everyone to... starts speaking Spanish. It's really <laughs> terrible. Yeah, he's like, no, but it was nice. It was like San Diego. It was good. But then he like kind of grew up where he gets that Mid Atlantic vibe, and he grew up in in the DC area. And I think his dad was like in magazines or something i mean he has a whole rant about or was on tv too. oh no his dad was in tv right because he's like yeah. i don't watch tv or have the internet because like dad was in tv so we did reading yeah which is which is totally right like that's the kind of thing that really gets zeroed in on by you know i think that we want to later in the episode talk about like what are what are the ineffective ways to critique tucker carlson and one of them is to try to just say that he's a fake populist. Um, and I think that this totally, you know, cause like there, there is some of that. I mean, like he's totally an elitist and like he was wearing a bow tie on TV until he was like 40. And he will say, he says, I'm not a populist. I, lo- I love the elite. And he does love the elite, but he wants. Yeah. He, he wants to be the elite with a populist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wants a populist movement to reinstall the rightful elite. Right. Um, that, yeah. that is yeah. right. And, and he, is very into talking about being an Episcopalian. Uh, he makes a lot of, he's like never, no one on earth has made more Episcopalian jokes. I think it's like uncomfortable for me and Will. <laughs> we we, bo- are, we I, both have that. It's yeah. like, do people know what this joke even means at this point? Tucker? Literally like, <laughs> no one, no one does except for like, Episcopalian. Yeah, so 20, 20 years from now, the last person who gets all of the Episcopalian jokes will be dead. So, like, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my God. The Episcopalian thing, you know, I, I think, like, on the one hand, it's, it's, I mean, it's doing a couple of things, but um, I think overall, it's signaling a ruling class allegiance that is. Um, that's not about capitalism per se, um, or even religion. Yeah. It's not even about religion. It's actually about his family. Right. Um, it's about the fact that a very Anglo old school, upper crust, Anglo American Virginia kind of, you know, Eternity is in Maine, though, not in D.C. Eternity is in his <laughs> barn in Maine, and he just sees the the anchor his da- that his daughter put there, and he grew up in that place in Maine, and, and he can see the anchor rusting, and he, he sees the unchanging eternity of just the barn against the change of the anchor. God, so rust. fucking weird. Um, yeah, so, like, and keep in mind, this is somebody <laughs> who himself had never been to, to Maine until, like, and he was an adult. Uh, <laughs> no, but he said he had a summer house. There oh, did he? Kid, oh, okay. Summer house he went yeah, to as a kid. Yeah, so it's, anyway, it's, yeah. but the point is that it's it's in the family but, yeah. war that, that they settled yeah, on Maine. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. He was a DC kid, and for most of his career, was like in DC doing liberal. Uh, he, like he always says, "I'm the real liberal," right? Because he did have for a long time before this fashy turn, right? The, the the crossfire bow tie identity, like you were saying. Yeah, totally. And um, yeah, and you know, I mean, credit to him for. Okay, I got to finish this sentence before it cuts off at credit to him. Um, So, uh, I mean, credit to him for moving past the crossfire and actually like nobody even associates him with that anymore because he's so evil and like Mm. diabolical that it's almost like 
quaint that he got owned by by John Stewart yeah. in 2004. Although he'll insist that it's like the the liberals got more crazy. Like he'll still say like, well, we had more we agreed on back then. Like I think he sees it kind of like Trump opened his eyes to like uh, and the conservatives, a lot of conservatives uh, eyes to how things really work and like made the liberals uh, go crazy with some inter DC civil war or something like before that we we agreed on things and now they're seventh century Islamist yeah. Brooklyn uh, yeah. incels or something that's another real yeah um, which which I think is a way <laughs> for him to like kind of what what's being conveyed there is the ruling class what he sees as the rightful ruling class was a place where there was a consensus around identity and culture where you could disagree with people but at the end of the day we're all episcopalians here right like and that was sort of the idea and you know what mm-hmm. happened as washington became polarized in the way that that he tells it um that's because the ruling class was infiltrated by you know by financers by by every group that has historically, you know, like he he does all but label them Jews, basically. Well, the fit, and he says, and he goes, and he will openly say, he's like, you know, look, like in any country you have hierarchy, in left countries you have hierarchy too. All that like really matters is like how wise your elites are. And he's, you know, he says a fish rots from the head down. And so he's constantly, yeah, it's like he sees it as like, the elites, you know, one of its part of it is like the elites got woke and, and, you know, corporate America rules us now. It's like as conservatives, we used to hate the state because that was Soviet and we wanted the free market. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get into that. But this turn where now it's like, no, the, the woke companies are ruling and there's no gravity to uh, he cites gravity and, you know, uh, there's not, nothing to hold us together and uh centrifugal forces and... yeah he really he really um appeals to the idea of like physics of human nature of all of these things that make that make it inevitable to do something that he determines to be socially unnatural um inevitable to stop doing right because he, he yeah and capitalism is not his lodestar i mean he in a way like he he always uh, is talking about Teddy Roosevelt because uh, he saved capitalism and democracy according to him. But he does say like, we, we can't, we can't defend all capitalisms. So that's not a good defense of capitalism, but he does want, you know, to worry about income inequality and uh, uh, like antitrust and stuff like, and he, because the fam, like he has this idea almost that like the, the unit of a man's seed is this <laughs> eternal nature. Right. Yeah. And, women need a husband and Liz Warren's right that like the, uh, the two income trap, right. And like that we need to um, make sure people can raise their kids at home, which only the rich can do. And most people want yeah. a woman to do that. And um, he's, he's not, he's not, that's, and he'll say, you know, like, I don't, I don't care if, what the unemployment numbers or inflation numbers are. I just want people to be okay. And like for my kids to have a little better than mm-hmm. I had, you know, like. Yeah. And I think it's, um, I think it's really interesting and, and very prescient and relevant to, to our 
podcast, the fact that he did go through this kind of transformation, quote unquote, um, from, you know, the, the crossfire, you know, Washington consensus person to this, to this like fascist, you know, who, um, who is now appealing to the family, not just in the like family values, which was the, the quieter way of doing the same move, but, um, but in the loud, like the family is under siege by, you know, big global corporations that are feminizing fathers and um, getting women out of the house so that they're submitting to a boss instead of a husband and like, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Um, but for us, I think it's really important to say for our, our kind of diagnosis of this political moment, um, the differences between the Tucker uh, then and the Tucker now um, are, they only like, you need those differences in order to actually understand the continuity between them. Um, and they're, they're similar because of the ways in which, yeah, they're slightly different, but they're different, I would argue, um, because these are different temporal moments in, within the, the logics of this. Of the right. You know, yeah, of the right and of this and worldview of, playing yeah. itself out. Yeah, because he he's like he's he'll talk with like a you know he fights with libertarians while kind of being part libertarian, right? But you know yeah. he'll talk too about how Trump Trump uh, he's very self-effacing in this very like colonial elite way that I'm a piece of shit thing. But he's always like I'm wrong all the time. I've been wrong for 25 years, but I just constantly follow the evidence. It's, it's like I've never been <laughs> I've just never been correct. I'm a fucking idiot, you know. Um, <laughs> that like actually like exculpates him from oh! anything, you know, but it's like, yeah, he's aware. I know it's just like, oh yeah, there's one where he's like, I, it's a terrible job. I have this. It's, it's like, it's, it's dangerous for your soul to just go on and on like this. I tell my wife, if I stop listening, just shoot me in front of the children. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Which, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, mo, mo, uh, my grave will probably go unvisited like most graves. It's like, all right, yeah. calm down, Tucker. But, um, but he, uh, what was I going to say? I forget. Well, so he's trying, he's trying to, I mean, part of what he's doing, and this is another thing that he's reflexive of is this is projection, right? Like he's, he's saying, if I'm, if I'm ever degenerate, I hope you kill me. But I'm not judgy. I'm not judgy <laughs> though. I'm the real liberal. I'm tolerant. Yeah. I'm, you can kill someone and I don't care. Yeah. You just need to get rid of degeneracy in order to make space for tolerance. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Um, yeah totally. Right. So like, if you talk to him, I think that he would say, you know, the evidence changed quote unquote, but like that's, if you zoom out, that's a cyclical theory of history that I think mm. economics naturalizes, right? The idea that sometimes times are good and everybody can have a job and sometimes that goes too far and you start hiring people who don't deserve a job and you need, and the economy starts to experience inflation and then suddenly but he's 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 not cyclical he he believes in i mean i know what you mean but he believes in he's a doomer but it's one who thinks he's like this he he's for preservation in the way of like he's like he's always saying he's always like 
you know, democracies like almost never been tried. Do you know what I mean? Like Rome fell and then there was no democracy till the American revolution. And he's like, look, like things are falling apart. Like the centrifugal forces, like nothing is going to hold us together. It's like, I'm not, I mean, explain it to me slow why we need diversity. I'm, I'm listening, <laughs> but like, do you think if someone speaks a different language in your marriage that that, that, that will mean you're able to fight together in the military? I don't, would you die together? No, but he's, but he's always talking about like, and then the bronze age collapse, we lost all of human yeah. knowledge, but it's um, like something in, there's some apocalyptic tone. That's like this sense of like, you know, when we left Afghanistan, he's like, this is the most abrupt fall we've ever had like there's this end of time scaremongering yeah that is about I mean continuing into that cyclical yeah I don't know well I, so I mean when when I hear that kind of thing it sort of reminds me a little bit of of an economist saying well we've never in history had full employment right or we've never in history had Pareto optimality or any of these dumb concepts that they make up for like you know for like true democracy. And then, so then that mm. sets it up for human nature fails repeatedly, and then mm. it needs to be corrected. And, you know, that that happens like again and again. And, you know, and I think Tucker's version is more sophisticated in the sense that, than the economists in the sense that for for him, it's 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 history, right? It's not just, you know, this abstract idea of the economy, but it's- And he does believe in contingency from a very right-wing point of yeah. view, right? But he's not, he's not a determinist. Like he, he believes there's always elites and mm -hmm. that that's what determines things, but whether your elites are good or not is not determined. And right, so... right. And, and probably he would say that there's, that there's a tendency, which again is, is, I think like a cyclical shape. There's a tendency for elites to start out good and then they get soft. Right. And then the empire gets weak and it needs to periodically rejuvenate itself or strengthen itself. Um, like, I, I think that this is a very deep. It's kind more of, implicit. It's like, a yeah, more implicit. well, yeah. and, and this is I mean, and conservatism as a movement is, is so kind of interesting because it speaks in the register of continuity and preservation. But then that becomes this impossible lodestar that ends up situating whatever moment they're in as a moment mm -hmm. where that's at stake and we're under siege and we and need to be waken up from our stupor right that's that's what the sublime very, is and he's very good at qualifying himself because he'll be like look i'm not saying it's inherently bad to have you know incredibly rapid demographic change that's not necessarily bad however what is holding us together <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, how will you have a military? You're not even you, you the, the political ruling class is systematically destroying our cohesion. Yeah. American it's... football used to be uh apolitical. Now it's not. It used to be apolitical. We would all say the national anthem. What? Yeah. What do we have left? Okay, you want them to kneel. What do you replace that with? What mm -hmm. are we gonna do now? We're gonna just. Uh, it's a. <laughs> no, he gets. He gets very. 
intense. Uh, yeah, like, it's I, it's I extremely we intense. Can, it'll be it'll be fine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so I think, and and I think so often what happens with just kind of these sort of I mean we we trace you know listeners of the show will know that for us you know a lot of these things are loaded with with particular philosophical premises that are, that are often naturalized um that you know have to do with you know metaphysics and university and things being inherently finite um and you know if if and and everything he, he being says reduced. he says centrifugal forces are real it's physics things come <laughs> apart if you have nothing to hold together yeah so he says there's no center of gravity in america nobody believes in democracy or american empire which makes people cynical and atomized so he says what is ours that's mm-hmm. what we need to figure out what is ours and he will say like what is ours and what have we paid for right um yeah and that and that paid for thing obviously is going to be a is going to be something that we zero in on um, because that's that ends up being our kind of you know our perspective and I and I think our intervention into you know certain approaches to Tucker Carlson that try to question his authenticity or you know try to zero in on like proving that he doesn't mean what he says as if like if he would as if it would be good if he did mean <laughs> what he said. Um, right, right. It's not just that yeah. we disagree on whether or not we can, on whether or not this happens to be a time when we can afford more diversity. Um, it's that there's never not a time when diversity mm. is completely possible. Um, mm. But in order to really make that that well, switch, not according to or not according to Oreo, who is um, says uh, forcing. Uh, corporate propaganda about having gender pronouns on children when against the binary gender we learned in seventh grade biology (laughs) right and and this is so they are not accepting diversity so Mm -hmm. yeah they're they're trying to be they're trying to be different and then when you interpret that as an assault on yourself and try to kill them <laughs> and they say, no, don't do that, they're being intolerant. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, lo- it's, a, it's a, tight, a, tight, a tight logic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, so I, I think one, of, one point that, um, that I want to make that I've kind of been thinking about a lot is I think that oftentimes in in these enlightenment discourses, um, which, you know, I mean, he talks often about the founders and his Anglo heritage and like, I'm and he'll sh- use the word the enlightenment. He's yeah. like, I'm a liberal from the enlightenment. Like he's, he's read some books as he ha- also tells us at length. He's like, <laughs> I have to have a longitudinal attention span. It's like, okay. Yeah. And, and in some ways he's like a, he does that as like a very extreme imminentist or uh-huh. like materialist almost where it's not just that he supports the enlightenment as the discovery of some abstract universal truths but rather the enlightenment for him is his heritage right like it's yeah. it's very particular um in the a Episcopalian. way that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and and so what yeah, but what i want to get at with you know, all of these sort of enlightenment ideas, whether it's, you know, it's human nature to do this, right? You make these sweeping statements about nature, 
um, or about laws, right? These kind of natural laws. <laughs> I, I think that often what, what happens and why so many of these enlightenment discourses turn, uh, you know, create cyclical theories of history, um, you know, whether it's cyclical theories of economics or cyclical theories of empires rising and falling or of human nature becoming weak and then, you know, getting and then having some sublime encounter with death that that awakens it from its stupor and then it gets strong and realizes itself again, right? All of these cyclical up and down movements, I think um, often what gets called a law is actually a, a compulsive repetitious behavior that is that is the underlying logics of scarcity playing themselves this, out through time. Is this one of the cycles that he says that um, NHS is not studying how sperm counts are way down because they don't think it's interesting? <laughs> there, there's, there, there's, a boom, there's a boom bust cycle where, where sperm, sperm, sperm goes up and down and they're just trying to figure out where Jews are in relation to sperm in terms of the causal direction. Look, um, if you, it, well, he, look, he's a leftist. He's saying like, if men, if men don't have jobs where the woman can stay home and raise their family, and this is pan-racial, this is how mm -hmm. the Dems should win. He's just saying if they're at home and have debts and are living with their parents, um, they're not going to be able to get laid or have a family or anything. So that's just nature. Mm -hmm. That's against nature because the problem isn't like that people are suffering in the in the economy. It's that men testosterone and semen isn't is like leftists will be like oh great great leftists oh he's mad at he's mad at <laughs> poverty it's mm -hmm. like no he's not mad at poverty <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll get to that but he's like oh and i love when he's like uh he's like if you if you if men don't have jobs the the family falls apart and women don't want to marry them and then he says this is based on a century of social science a century of social science yeah. from 1800 to 1900. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, a century. <laughs> oh. I don't know if that's making me, I, yeah, anytime I have to go back a hundest years into the social sciences, I start to worry. <laughs> yeah, I know. So. Um, which by the way, like, he loves Freud too. Um, he yeah, loves he talking about Freud. I've never heard him talk about Heidegger, but I'm sure that I'm sure no. that that's on the bookshelf too. I love that he's like, he like really feels like he's like one upping the right wingers. He's like, it's not Orwellian, it's Freudian. <laughs> it's like, okay, you yeah. got him. <laughs> um, which, is, which honestly is one of the most, is one of the more evil things that I picked up from the interview is like, he has this thing where he says, if you really want to decode what, what the enemy is doing, um, it's Freudian projection and it's actually the opposite. So if they tell you that they're not a fascist, it's because they are a fascist. And I don't, you know, I don't know if, if this is reflexively and consciously what he means, but like, to me, that's like, you read that into, oh, he's announcing what he's doing, right? Like yeah, he, he's yeah. announcing that just like, is this mirror that goes yeah, on and he's, on forever. He's yeah. doing the, the projection of like, actually the yeah. only racism in the world is against white people because white people are the only people now who aren't racist. Um, and, and it's like, and he delivers it well, like, and it's an 
and he makes it sound intellectual like it's a, it's an old right-wing sleight of hand right like you're the intolerant one you know and and there's always questions of what do you allow and what do you disallow and who's the authority and where diversity is possible right but they have this like this idea of absolute diversity that's only ever one thing which is like uh asshole white man do you know what i mean <laughs> they're like i am the true you are all oppressing me i'm just I would never base my friends on politics. You know, I would never yada yada. I, I can't imagine doing that. You know, yeah. like I, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not in my culture to base my yeah. friends on politics. It's not in my DNA even. Yeah. Um, He's like, I know Nancy Pelosi. Like I'm a very calm person. <laughs> I'm a very calm person. <laughs> He's like, I still have a couple friends even at CNN. You yeah. Know, like Lace, he you knows, know, and... he knows 400 people there. He has a couple of friends. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> I am the true liberal or when he's like when he's like um he's like look doing this like this being a social conservative Episcopalian doesn't win me friends you know being like this I don't and he's it's true in a way that he doesn't need to do this right it's not mere drifting like he he actually just believes a lot of what he's saying is true he's like there's not a a downside for me really the only down or upside he's like the downside is my neighbors just uh, are mad at me because I, I I put their nanny at risk, but that's <laughs> Jesus Christ! Did he? <laughs> He's like, yeah. No. <laughs> I almost just asked if he actually said that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's a little, a little, <laughs> a little on the nose for him. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm an asshole. I've never been right about anything yeah. my whole life. I just followed the evidence. The soul of man is evil. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like, if, I don't. I don't look at Google. I don't. I don't look at the Twitter to just see if people are are looking at uh saying that i'm evil because i'm mm -hmm. actually uh i have my inner circle of trust too like he also does like think on some level that he's like in touch with some core group of real people that tell him the truth or you know <laughs> yeah absolutely so like he, he listens to schizophrenics on the bus and airplanes he said is another example what? of how he talks to real people <laughs> <laughs> i saw him once did at amtrak in dc back in the day did you really uh yeah okay. but um probably in the crossfire but yeah he's like because he's talking about how you know at night he doesn't have internet but at night he just like texts a lot of people and he's talking about like a waitress he texts and just real people and then he's just talking about how he grew up in a super like um homogeneous elite and so he's like now i want to like hear from all the real people you know and just like says super ableist shit i, I listen to schizophrenics on buses and trains it's like <laughs> it's like all right asshole like, <laughs> he, like taking notes you know this is revealing yeah he listens he, he, he's in like a glass box at the front of the bus <laughs> <laughs> with a notepad where <laughs> anyone mentally ill on this bus <laughs> i'm listening yeah please please face this way while you talk um, <laughs> i see real people at the gas station cancel culture wants to expel that reality god um <laughs> that there's just real people getting gas <laughs> oh um but yeah so like and i i Sorry. think i think enlightenment that, well i think that this you know, I there's so many windows into kind of elaborating what we mean by by zero sum. You know, at, at the level of money, you know, it's the idea that 
money is finite and therefore for it to be somewhere, it has to not be somewhere else. Um, so creation ends up being tied to destruction and the left kind of tries to square the circle often by saying, oh, well, the, the rich have so much money that it's only them who need to be destroyed. And so it actually doesn't implicate, well, and it doesn't, you know, you just don't learn anything about credit. It's just like you wake up one day and uh, some people have money and some don't. So it's like, well, that's where the money is. It's just in their house. So we need to go to their house and take that cash. Yeah. But like in, in a more elaborate way, it's like, well, that's also not how like money got there in the first place. Like there's always money being created and abolished constantly. Right. And, and that imagination is precisely a liberal imagination right the sense that everything is originarily private right which he also will kind of um say that like we're ruled by by at core the the private companies but that is that privatizing into this economy where we are depend anyway we get it we're, we're dependent on fossil fuel um private companies or we're dependent on commodity exports and foreign exchange reserves, right? Like all these things that are a part of the scarcity of, of liberalism is, is, is monies that are not publicly infinite in, in healthy ways, in fact. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and listeners can also go to uh, the episode that Natty and I did on mutual aid, where we coined the term monetary naming. Um, I think we did. Uh, you know, which, Probably. yeah, where, um, you know, our argument there was that when people embark on mutual aid and directly help each other, often they're contesting the uh, labeling of those tasks as not important and not worth employing people to do by, by the powers that be with respect to the US dollar, right? The fact that we don't have a job guarantee, that there are some people who are unemployed for people to, you know, take matters into their own hands and come up with, you know, with ways to be reflexive about their participation in, in the society and develop it in ways that are that are dignified and healthy for flourishing for everybody. Um, that on, on the one hand, that is contesting with and disagreeing with this with this monetary naming of those people as unskilled and unemployable, but also at a more fundamental level, you know, one of the things we were talking about is that uh, accounting is always implicated in language. Um, you know, I can't think of something without thinking of one of it, right? Um, and so there's, there are- I always think in threes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's because you're not an Episcopalian. Um, that's a very Catholic uh, way of thinking, I think. Episcopalian, oh, oh, really? yeah, the number three is very suspicious. It's inefficient. You only need two. You only need a mommy and a daddy. I don't know. Though I, I was the kind of Episcopalian where like they're like, let's throw revelations out of the Bible and like talk a lot about Kairos. <laughs> well, yeah, back back to the have 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 wine. I don't know. That's so funny. Um, yeah, well, I, I actually do think that there's something really um, really interesting about like I think that there is an Enlightenment inver- aversion to the number three uh. because of kind of modern metaphysics of subject and object and everything being an encounter between self and other. The only way to interpret a third unit is as something being replaced in that equation, 
right? Um, and so there's, there's, I think, a way in which in this kind of enlightenment mode of describing everything as, as encounter and opposition or exchange or all of these things that are, you know, as we say, dyadic, right? That have to do with two. Episcopalians are like crypto crypto catholics they're just catholic they're just like archbishop of canterbury and like they you know, they like, are i mean they're like but but like settler colonial but yeah but they're they have like a pagan streak but <laughs> yeah well there's i i feel- not the tucker version but yeah it's just so funny to me how often he jokes about it because that's part of the point is it's like self-consciously esoteric Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and and in a way for him, that's and, that's... and on his nighttime show, he's not going to talk about being an Episcopalian, right? right? Like, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's not good. That's he knows that parties. they don't. Um, yeah, that's that's the wink side. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but no, I mean, it it is interesting actually because I I do think that for him, that's getting across the particularity of identity that yeah, um, my identity to everyone except my family is esoteric. Right. And that's that yeah. sort of is what, yeah. what that's communicating. Um, and he's also communicating a certain he's he's also com- communicating like partly his knowingness about like a, a lapsed elite, I think, which is the sense that Episcopalians are the less serious Protestants. They're more like indulgent. Right. And they're even more sometimes liberal and like learned. So he's like kind of showing off his his learned that he's of this learned, tolerant elite and he knows they're like you know rotting yeah, you know what i mean absolutely. and he's the good one he's like it's not easy to be a socially conservative episcopalian openly openly but like also there is that tradition of conservative liberalness within it but he's he's playing on a lot of things it's not like saying he's presbyterian it's you know <laughs> <laughs> right totally um yeah there's and and also when i when i say when I associate Catholicism with like Trinitarian thinking, like uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and yeah, and yeah. the number three, I'm also uh-huh. very much not talking about like modern Catholicism either. Um, like uh-huh. I, I think that ev- everything kind of became very, um, very uh, Protestant and kind of Reformation. Like in a certain way, I think that the like the back to the book sort of like you know you don't need a priest, right? a third person, an intermediary yeah. between you and God, um, you can just have an, an immediate encounter with the text that's unmediated. He does, say, he does say at one point, yeah, that's beautiful. He does say at one point, he's taught when he's on one of his riffs about how like the liberals are the real religious zealots. He's like, you know, man is naturally religious. We're, we're wired for the transcendent. So if you repress that, it's going to come out somewhere else. So he's like, yeah, you may think the crucifixion and, and the Talmud sound um, ridiculous, but like, that's not dumb compared to um, men getting pregnant or two plus two equals five. Like he does do this math citation. Like the modern left today is like, they don't care about facts. You know, they think, they think vaccines work and they're just religious religious intolerant zealots who want me to care about their sex life. Look, I'm just in Maine. I'm just at a Hardee's in Alabama. I don't care what you're doing in Brooklyn. You're the one trying to legislate over my white family. But it's interesting because Tucker, I think, is very self-consciously like, you know, he he does want to do this. And I think one one place where where, you know, the left and him, uh, certain parts of the left sort of see eye to eye and don't I don't know why the left part is not more reflexive about that but um 
but he, uh, this like not liking the Democrats, right? Because, you know, the Democrats are this pretty zero sum in a different way uh, party, right? This like uh, neolib uh, scarcity for the most part. And but they have this sort of conspiratorial corporate elites way of, of, of seeing it. And, you know, for him, it's like, I think it's like a, it's like this weird, like I'm an elite who's a good patron. So like, I see that like, well, for one thing, he sees that like, we can't have too much income inequality. Cause, cause then, you know, I mean, like then, Venezuela is just inevitable, right? Like mm-hmm. democracy, you need a solid middle class. You need, uh, and, and when technology, he uses the word technology in this kind of mm-hmm. like fear way, right? This, yeah. this has that that like narrow, like it, let's go back yeah, to- Yeah, because it's an yeah. accelerator, right? It, it yeah. causes the boom bust to like go off the cliff before we're ready. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's what, well, and that's because he was saying the apex of the industrial revolution was- was 1900 with with Teddy Roosevelt, and he like knew that to save capitalism, right, and stop the anarchist killings, you you needed to to do antitrust. And he's like, look, it, it wasn't good for my people, you know. Like he had to bust up our sugar trust, and he's like, he's, he's being humble. <laughs> we we eventually we had a meeting, me and my family, and we forgave Teddy Roosevelt for busting the sugar trust. And he's like, that's what you need to do. And then he says, he says, because actually it became true that, you know, like uh, just like 15, 20 years later, the the Bolsheviks uh, enslaved like half of humanity for 50 years. Um, But (laughs) he's like, that's just inevitable. That's what's going to happen if you don't keep. So he's trying to say we need to make this compromise, right? Like we need to admit that, look, like we, we were trained as like, you know, as like libertarians or as these old neoliberal conservatives, we were trained to be pro free market in this way. He's like, don't get me wrong. I love the free market. I'm not a policy guy. I don't know the taxes, but he's like, you know, we were taught to think that income inequality was like a conspiracy from like a French intellectual or, you know, like the yeah. typical is like, but no, we need to admit there is income inequality as good elites or else you know, you're going to be these rotting elites, these CNN, always media, like you said, always, mm-hmm. always CNN and Google. And the, those are the main elites. And then he's like, you know, instead of instead of the, the white working class and right, the left will be like, but he doesn't really mean that the working class, he's 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 lying to them. It's like, yeah, I just covered a lot of ground there. But there's been this transition right in his thinking where he's arguing with with conservatives in a way, like, look, we need to admit that like, we can't just have people suffering economically too much. Like then they won't be able to. Yeah. It's, it's a family and be a citizen and have an army. It's, it's a very, (laughs) it's a very Nietzschean move, I think, because on the, because Uh he's, he's basically what he's saying is when he says um, he's not against the market, right. The market for him is like the law of the jungle. Right. I mean, that's what the market is nature. Um, So the market is, you know, I'm not against the idea of survival of the fittest because he (laughs) because he thinks that, you know, that Episcopalians are, you know, the natural ones who will survive in the market. Right. If it's functioning right. But what what strikes me as kind of the Nietzschean and that he can keep some people around. We can keep a a decent amount of white people around some of the non-Episcopalians, you know. Yeah. During during booms. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. We we can keep them around. Yeah. Interest rates are low. 
Um, yeah. So, but um, I'm fighting for you against the rotten CNN. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, but then the Nietzschean move, right, is to say, um, you know, I'm not against law of the jungle, um, but uh, sometimes some other people who aren't me will come up with ways where even though they're not the fittest, they end up dominating because they're cunning and dishonest and crafty. This is where it comes in where he's talking about how like this, there's this really revealing series with Ruben where he's he's talking about, you know, how, uh, you know, now Afghanistan, this was like such an abrupt fall of empire, us, us leaving. Now there's Afghans in our suburbs and now the, the Taliban has their state of the art military, but he's saying how like, you know, the elites are so, uh, uh, like narcissistic that they sent a John Hopkins professor to be the the original like leader and then was leaving in a helicopter. He's like, Dave, you would, I know you would just put a Pashtun warlord in to make the people obey. This is the poorest country on the other side of the globe. And he's, instead of his colonial darkness, he's like, he, he sees it as like, wow, we're just these narcissistic elites put in an Afghani, an Afghan president from John Hopkins. And then Dave jumps and he's like, and he's not even in a real department. He's like in, in, in social science, which earlier he's, which are in another talk, he cites a hundred years of social science. <laughs> Again, as being why 1800 women to 1900. Yeah, yeah, that was like, before, then, that was before the Frankfurt school Jews took over social science. And then, and then Dave Rubin, a gay man, uh, jumps in and says, uh, calls this Afghan president we narcissistically installed instead of a Pashtun warlord. Yeah. Uh, he says, oh, like lesbian dance theory. Oh I was like, you piece of assholes. Fucking prick, yeah. And, and of course <laughs> and they're like, like. It's just like, come on. And yeah. we're, and like, and I get it. It's true that like, there are a lot of douchey elites who are Dems, but it's just like, but, yeah, this, but... but Pashtun warlords and it's just like, creepy as fuck yeah i mean so at, at the end of the day there's like an extra morality thing that's going on here where he's saying it's it's not even that lesbian dance theory is like <laughs> you know inherently bad to him it's that it's not his people right i mean that's yeah, what it yeah. is is that yeah you know and he would say yeah the lesbian country probably thinks that i'm that my things are really weird <laughs> that's why we need to be separate yeah you know um, yeah you're a you're an islamic converting you're a seventh century islamist if you like i don't care what you do sexually but if you want to tell me <laughs> yeah that i can't have a heterosexual family <laughs> <laughs> Right. And, and so what I'm just going to have to shoot you. That's <laughs> nobody wants it to get there. Yeah. But you know, that's, but that would be I'm tolerant. Yeah. That would be the Volker shock again. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so, not a narcissist. Unlike some of us. You know? I hope my wife shoots me. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, well, right. And, and narcissism in this kind of nihilistic worldview is if you think that you're something more than in, than an amoral animal trying to do whatever it takes to survive. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In, in like a way that's inherently zero sum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so one of the things that I want to say is that so much of why Tucker goes under the radar is because we have a way of talking about fascism. What, what do you mean under the radar? Well, that people who literally grew up like 
you know, baby boomers who were born right after World War II, you know, thinking that Nazism is the same thing as evil are literally being convinced effectively that fascism is inevitable and natural and that they're trying to make you feel bad by calling it fascism, right? Mm. Like, mm. like, how does that happen? Um, mm. And, you know, I, I think that part of it is that we, there's a way in which this rigid historicism where in being so attentive to the particularity of everything, you lose track of analogies of logics that are that are constant and that it's not that when Tucker was a libertarian, he like wasn't this racist piece of shit guy. Like he was still the same guy. It's just he, you know, that was a different historical moment for him, right? In this kind of zero sum boom bust cycle of inclusion. Well, it's and exclusion. very imminent. He's just bumping up against facts. Like he's yeah. he's been wrong about everything and he's always right. Right. And it's just like <laughs> I've been in constant flux for 25 years. I've never been right. I'm so he's always right. He's like, yeah. um, that didn't he's like, I, is this a declaration of humility? Like he's <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. The I just follow evidence. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> I just follow the evidence. I just bump into yeah. history. And, and he is, and that is his more relaxed persona too. It's mm -hmm. like, you see his old crossfire guy when he's like in, it's like he got a crush with Trump or something where he's like, oh, I can be like a new kind of bro. Like I can, yeah. I can be a fashion bro. Like I can, instead of just being this relaxed, cause he was more, he was more relaxed with that center center left center right like the he like was comfy with that when you know that generation of boomers too were like they're like i believe in the which is still big in the dev i believe in two parties that's how you have balance and and he comes from that in a way where he's very comfortable and it's it's revealing the the change in tone because of course there was always violence they were never actually comfortable but it's the, the tone has like changed there's there's a a, pan, a panic. Yeah, right? it's it's because you you have to do violence in order to establish a peaceful state of nature, and then eventually you rest enough that you haven't been patrolling the borders enough that you have to do the violence again to like reassert it, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. and so I think I think ultimately what I want to say is that. This is baked into dyadic oppositional theories of human existence where me, you know, that are based on the encounter, right? Where the, and this is, this could be the colonial encounter, right? Somebody encounters the new world, right? Man in nature, man uses nature, right? You get, you get a binary encounter when your rigid materialism contracts everything to, to use, right? Because use doesn't have a third term um, or a fourth term or whatever. Use is, is a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's one thing using banging another. And banging and, into facts. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And facts are, are the object and you're the subject and you bang into a fact and then suddenly your will has been confronted with, you know, big paternal reality and then you have to synthesize it somehow and then continue to move forward, right? And this 
you know, as Max loves to say, right, ping pongs up and down all <laughs> these different, um, mm. different scales. And, you know, the um, reestablish a healthy elite. Yeah. And that's what moves history is always the elites. And you just need to make sure the elites are in the right cycle. Yeah. And, and so there's a certain way in which this is, this actually is, I think, dialectical thinking. Um, mm. You have a regime, the regime uh, comes up against, you know, its opposition. And then the regime has to respond to this new moment on the terms of this new moment, which entails synthesizing some part of the new of the new moment, right? Which which for Tucker is you double down on violence, right? I can't be the crossfire guy anymore. I have to, you know, um, we need populism again, you know, in order to restore homogeneity and peace and you know, blah blah blah. Um, but I really want to insist that this zero sum way of thinking. And we've on this podcast talked about this, especially in terms of money and this figure of the taxpayer, um, which, you know, is in a lot of Tucker's segments, you know, where he will say when it, when it's, you know, lesbian dance theory or whatever, do you want to be paying for that? Right. Like speaking (laughs) to you, the taxpayer, And this mm. being Tucker, right? The U is a very specific U. It's an Episcopalian taxpayer, um, you know, in in a suburb, right? He's so in he's the military or something. Yeah, whatever it is, it's like it's his people, right? He's speaking yeah. to my fellow countrymen, right? Like, yeah, do yeah, you yeah. want to be paying for them? Um, and right. yeah, and yeah. that gets, what is ours? Yeah, and yeah. and that gets baked into uh, thinking about money as something that first and foremost is is a finite thing that belongs to somebody and it belongs to me which means it does not belong to anybody else except me and if i give it away it means that i now don't have it and you know accounting identity that not me does have it right and you know that could be the government it could be the you know person on welfare that the government gave my money to right it's like Mm. you know there's you, you uh, premise this kind of zero sum sort of operating system for money to, to be this, this object like element in, and then you can track its, its movements where it's here, then it's there. Um, there's never enough of it for everybody. People just wake up and they have money on them or not, and you need to redistribute from there. And it's all this individual wills that just money miss appears and yeah and then it's not yeah yeah and so if you premise uh any kind of of public expenditure on that first um movement of money evacuating one person's pocket in order to be deposited somewhere else to fund something right then of course, people are going to automatically be suspicious of any spending that doesn't directly in that mm. direct encounter way. You know, if I'm not transgender, I don't want my tax dollars to finance trans health care because I'm not even going to use it. Right. This, this is that language of encounter and use right. and well and it's also and it's not understanding public money it's like this sense we have to have these jobs that are you know we need to have fossil fuel jobs we need to have 
military jobs, you know, the, 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 there's an ideology baked into too, like what this private small amount of money is like doomed to be like, we have to do the most colonial austere, wasteful version of the economy. And yeah, that, that means, that means killing some genders. That means, that means, uh, sorry, I, I, I respect that. Would you just tell it, explain it to me slowly? Like, look, I'm not against other races and, and genders, but how will they like explain to me why they should, that will hold together. Like, why is that good for us? You know, it's just, there's mm-hmm. this like doom invoked and, and, it, and it ties into this imagination of the economy is not um, where you can publicly afford it from the beginning, right? Or politically fight for that. And that we're all interdependently involved with each other in the first place, right? Like yeah. it's basically yeah. what he's basically saying is um, he's saying, okay, trans people, what's the case for why you should exist? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like explain that to me. Explain why this. What's well, like when he me. says, he says, look, the having colonies, you know, when you get an empire, you, as you get more and more money, your empire gets more powerful. And our colonies were not really good for us. Uh, I think it was good for them. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like this is this is pure evil. Um, you know, yeah. you can't even like it's just pure 19th century evil. Um and I did we want to make the analogy to Tucker's just making these arguments and he's just lying, you know. I thought it was really revealing that you were talking with some Jacobin people, I think Franco Marchetic, where they're like, Tucker claims he's a populist, but let's debunk that. He's not a populist. And you're like, okay, well, not all populism is good. Like whether he calls himself pro-elite or whatever, just saying he's lying is like not understanding the dangers of right-wing populism. And it's like, like, what is it about certain kinds of leftisms that are either tempted to this point of view or like don't see the whole point of view? And then like, how do we argue in a left way that is... Um, understanding that the the it's not just about true or false claims that there are structures of right thinking that are not just being neolibs because that's what the mark you know what i mean like yeah so this this article was um yeah so the article that we're talking about uh was by branco marchetic and uh it was for jacobin and it was basically it was like jacobin's takedown of tucker carlson um and the title is Tucker Carlson, your boss's favorite populist with populist in quotes. Um, That's the gambit, is that Tucker is actually in a zero sum way aligned with your enemy. Yeah, yeah. He's pretending to be part of your identity, but he's actually part of the other. I mean, what's really happening is that, you know, Tucker's part of a complex dialogue that's on the right. I mean, the left can do this really annoying thing of like collapsing the right. And it's like, there is disagreement on the right about, about tariffs, about spending, about corporate uh, things. Like uh, Tucker is a part of a shifting ideological environment on the right. And to collapse that to for the boss or not for the boss is just, I understand what they mean by it, but it's it's not really digging deep enough to really understand the, the threat. Like, you know, just to say he's he's a liar. 
Yeah, right. He's not, he doesn't mean it when he says he wants a white ethno state. Yeah, like, it's like, have you, like, like, white, like, fascism is not identical to neoliberalism, you know, like, there's interrelatedness, yeah. but it's, there are differences. Yeah, yeah, there are both differences, and these differences are actually constitutive of the explanation of how one leads to the other, too. Right, right, right. Like, and this is, and I think that Tucker's life is actually a really um, good case in point because he does the neoliberalism to fascism move. And we yeah. can both, we can separate them as moments, uh, but at the same time, right, like you can see how somebody who is a neoliberal when they think things are going okay, fundamentally at the end of the day believes that everything that exists in that's you know public expenditures that all of that comes from finite you know taxpayers once they suddenly think that the country's not in great shape they're going to start trying to to make cuts right and who are they going to cut right they're not going to cut the people that they identify with and probably they're going to construct uh some sense of what is universal in order to exclude particularity and difference. Right. And so there is the feint where they say that kind of is the feint that you get from the populist left as well, which is is the id that Tucker's making, where Tucker will say id poll identity politics is is trying to distract you from who's getting rich, right? Uh uh, yeah. The finance world is getting rich and then calling you racist. It's like there's a zero sum thing there too, right? Like either, either because there it's true that there are people in power and companies that try to 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 like wash their reputation with things. There's no doubt, but it's like it pulls a distraction from who's getting rich. Why does it have to be a distraction? Like why can't it? Why can't you just say the the multiplicative analogy, right? Where you're like. Yeah, like the identities of people are a really important part of our history and to like move towards um, common public um, wealth, we, we need to understand uh, how we can actually get there. And that is like a part of IDPOL. So yeah, IDPOL, that's, they're just calling you racist and taking your money. There is this like, either either they take your money or they don't call you rate like the, the trade-off imagination is weird which is reproduced in the left reading this like bad this left that does not understanding what's wrong with tucker like where you're where they're saying yeah like look tucker's lying he really is for the boss it's like well maybe he could be doing this faint and be for the boss and and it's dangerous and do you know what i mean like it's yeah it's no totally yeah and and i think also the idea that there's because part of it is saying you know voters it's zero sum what voters focus on right or workers or whatever the yeah. unit the normal person yeah. unit is right yeah. in this idea um you know it's if they're focusing on identity, it's because they're not focusing on, on, you know, material reality or something. But like, you know, I mean, I think it, it bears, it bears saying just flat out, there's no story of identity in the United States where fiscal policy isn't an important part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In the first place, like, this is why Tucker is speaking specifically to people who are afraid that they're coming for the suburbs, right? Right, Is because the suburbs were constructed through right. fiscal policy. And the suburbs have 
immensely diversified. You know, the the DC suburb my mom grew up in is not is not racially like it was when she was in high school. You know, like it's and that's true across the country where uh, the suburbs are are not white anymore. And that's what he says. Afghans in our suburbs. That's what he's you know. Yeah, which which of course you know not that it's like a big gotcha that Tucker is being hypocritical, mm-hmm. but like he very clearly is speaking in terms of identity politics. Mm. It's it's actually, he's more aware that everything is identity politics because mm. there is a causal linkage between spending, right? Monetary naming, the authorization of things, like that's a linguistic process and a cultural process, right? Like that's of like, of course that that has everything to do with identity. And so then you need a way of talking about that that's not zero sum and doesn't map onto a language of replacement right. or right. displacement, right? And yeah, and that underlying ontology is what makes some of them unable to see uh, just the same way I think, you know, a lot of centrists, the reason he's so effective is I think a lot of, I think the center doesn't have an answer to him because he, he, he calls out their because they're zero sum and, and, and the left too, when it's thinking, yeah. that's a whole other tangent, but the left, when it's like thinking, when it falls for this thing, like, oh, well, he's just racist, but it is true that like, it is true that there are people in power who are hurting working people. It's like, yeah, that is true, but you have to look at his entire, it's not just like that statement, just like kind of comes out of nowhere for him to say that. And so seeing where he actually means it to lead, right, is important for the left to think about. I mean, he he really likes Liz Warren's book, To Income Trap, about how women shouldn't, you know, be in, in corporate bondage and they should be at home and, and raise their family. You know, he doesn't, the economy is, and he, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, Chelsea, Chelsea Clinton just wants you not to have an abortion she wants you to have an abortion so that the GD- gdp can go up no but he's he can make these things that can trap quote unquote like the the center anyway that's going on a tangent but but on the left this like left populism that's like he's just the racist version of being telling the truth about the class war and it's like no that doesn't that doesn't make <laughs> sense so if you think that you haven't understood anything <laughs> yeah no totally you, you can't separate his his identity, whatever messages from his quote unquote economic messages, because the economic is constitutive of the right. society, yeah. right? In, in an active way, because money is a medium and mediums are, they conduct and organize forms. Yeah. It's not like he just grafted racism onto his, his, his thing where he's like, I, I want to break up Google. <laughs> yeah, and that's and in a certain way that that actually the Jacobin line is falling for how he describes himself. Very much right? so. Like he's he's because to hear him say it, he's crafting all he's um what, what was it that he said plastering all this stuff uh-huh. on top of colorblindness. Right, right, right. That's that's his baseline to hear him say. Yeah, it, is colorblind merit. Yeah, right. And so it's only by denaturalizing these supposedly non-racial universal categories like the economy and meritocracy and all of these things that actually involve a lot of normative judgments about who deserves a job, who is skilled, who is, you know, who deserves inclusion and exclusion according to this, you know, particular medium, law, money, whatever, um, right? Like that's, 
like there's there's a shell game that's happening here and that that in a certain way i think tucker's more aware of it than than jacobin is and he admits like that some on the left just think he's like trying to divide the left right by taking on some left points of view and oh he's just reading jacobin and then to into like but he does he is conscious of the ways yeah. in which you know he He's, yeah, anyway, go, yeah, he's more aware of them than a lot of them are of him. I think a lot of them- He's trying to break up the left's family. Yeah, I know. Tucker's actually, Tucker's a, a globalist. Yeah. But it, it's like, but they're not really studying him. I think that's, I think the left sometimes, we have a flaw yeah, of totally. not being interested in the actual like uh, wrinkles of the right. You know, like we think- Wah. Yeah, and and it's it's not even to like dignify the difference between a paleo conservative and a, you know, whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. But like, the, but, but the point is that there, there is an awareness on the right that, you know, it's not super conscious, but like that there is form, right? That there's not this unmediated material realm of pure distribution where there's this substance called value that we're like fighting over who gets it it's like no these are you know the stakes are are and always have been qualitative and maybe the neolib the neolibs lied lied more about that they had more of that like imminent value i think that's the the neolibs were like yeah you're out there going for money it's it's a fair game everybody's just born in nature and tries to fight it out but now they're like they're kind of like doubling down right? like that's part of the fascist move of right like look how do you expect it to hold together like yeah yeah i mean right it's it's the contraction uh, once you situate you know you identify the the society as inherently unstable and inherently in motion in a direction towards decline unless you're propping it up right which you know, has the same shape, right, as, you know, being towards death, right, or whatever, you know, life as resistance against death until, you know, you give up or resistance against gravity, right, like all of these, all of these things that are, you know, the will asserting itself against nature until it can't anymore, or until it needs to rest, and then nature asserts itself more and then the will needs to needs to get back up right all of these things create the shape of a compulsive cyclical thing or create the shape of the cyclical thing but it's because it's because the premises um you know tee up a compulsive behavior because they're flawed and unstable premises right and and i want to um yeah. after we talk about this article i want to spell out positively what i think mm. a, what i think an actual non-zero sum way of you know, talking about the world is. Is it um, this that he says, first, entrepreneur thing should be over for the right. Most people won't be entrepreneurs. It's a French word you can't pronounce <laughs> and mass entrepreneurship is not the goal. So that's, that's where he's like, look, we're not, it's, we're not all going to be entrepreneurs. We know that now. <laughs> and libertarians, yeah, if you don't like, that's if you don't, yeah, if you don't like Google on, if you don't like Google on, uh, on gender, you can't start your own, you can't start your own Google. There are monopolies. And he, he also does the best right. identity politics. We're like, and also don't talk to me if you've never been fired by a boss who, who had to make some budget cuts. Cause I have, and it's just like, Jesus, yeah, you're, he's like, don't, so don't come speak. This is like his inter right. And the leftists are like, wow, mm -hmm. he, he did say a good left thing despite <laughs> like, okay, but let's rewind. Yeah. We, we put parentheses around every good thing he said and saved it for later. Um, yeah. It's, 
Um, but yeah, the like, so, so the title of this Tucker Carlson, your boss's favorite populist and populist is in scare quotes. Um, and the subheading, this is by Branko Marchetic and the subheading is Tucker Carlson likes to style himself a populist, but every time there's a fight over something that might actually make life easier for working class people, he never misses the opportunity to take the side of big business and the rich. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, we've we've certainly not shied away from from pointing out instances where where Tucker is a hypocrite. Right. Um, but there is something in this line of attack that requires Tucker to be a fraud, to be dishonest about what he's saying um, in order for it to be resisted. Right. That. Whereas obviously we want to say that like, no, what he's saying is like wrong on its own terms, because even, even in its expansionary v social vision where he wants to maybe build new things, or maybe he would want a public works program here or there. Right. Um, even so it's tied to, to a finite tax base, right. Which means that there's a pressure built in to prioritize what he considers to be the normal people and what Jacobin considers to be the normal people. People who can't get, who get get distracted. You're just calling them racist while you pick their pocket. <laughs> yeah. Um, and That's called being a boss. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't read this. Um, I won't read the, that much of the article. I, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to really cheat here and skip to where he's rounding up all the points that he's made. Seems reasonable. doesn't seem like cheating. Yeah. Um, where the, the title of this is Jetwing Populism, right? So the idea is that he's, he's not an actual working man. And, and I guess they would assume that like a real working class person would never be wrong. Right. Like I mean, it's just a total denial. It's just a like, really bizarre. Yeah, it's a it's a really weird denial of the history of right wing populism within working class. I mean, no, he really I mean, in all different parts of the world. No, like they really do mean to to identify with a certain type of 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 citizen in 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 like poor area. Like it's just not the case of the. <laughs> it's not the case that they're just like completely lying. Like they do want to like mobilize a certain type of nation and keep those people like with, with decent, do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, go ahead. And in this article, it, it ends up leading to this kind of bizarre oscillation where on the one hand, they feel tasked with proving that Tucker Carlson is, is not representing tenants, actually, he's representing landlords. He's not re representing workers. He's representing small business owners. And those people aren't the real working class, which, you know, already is like, you know, is starts to betray the promise of the idea that we can, through a zero sum theory of money, um, have an inclusive society, because we can get all of it from Jeff Bezos, right? They're already saying Jeff Bezos and everybody who's a small business owner, right? So like there's there's a way in which the ruling class has to, you know, has to be defined in order to include Tucker's audience in order for the Jacobin reader or the worker who's reading Jacobin, right? In their, you know, wildest dreams. Um, 
like in order for that person to be, oh, right, Tucker Carlson's interests are the opposite of mine and he's my enemy, right? They have to align Tucker with the person who's their enemy in, in a zero sum way. Um, and so and it's not to say there aren't there aren't like pow people with power and things like this, but it's just the power has different overlapping um, voices. It's not it's not just like either or. And right. And um, but then it's this weird oscillation between that and like the whole premise of this article, like then why is this article being written? Right. Like this article is being written because you think it's important to refute Tucker's arguments. Right. And why is it important to do that? Well, it's because he's, oh, oops, he's tricking a bunch of workers. Right. So maybe his audience isn't the land. You know what I mean? Like it's right. The whole thing is so contradictory. Yeah. So he writes. So let's review Tucker Carlson's economic populism consists of one fear mongering about spending and the size of government which again, right? Like if this is the litmus test, <laughs> I have a 1930s Nazi party to sell you. Yeah. You know, like this is so like, oh my God. Um, opposing the $15 minimum wage, complaining about checks to unemployed people, ending an eviction pause out of concern for landlords, favoring wealthy homeowners' interests over the need for affordable housing, a total lack of concern over unionization and extortionate medicine and healthcare costs, and an overwhelming obsession with a variety of culture war bugbears. And so, wait, one of the one, thing that one of the bad things about Tucker is that he's too obsessed with the culture war. Yeah, well, it's it's overwhelming. It's not a tasteful amount of obsession. Um, <laughs> he's not really a materialist. <laughs> yeah, like you got him. He's a hypocrite. Like whatever. And a lot of these are good things, you right. know, but, but there are also things that I'm sorry, but like you could find a fascist who you could not make this list against, right? you know, right. because there, there is a history of right-wing populism. Because it is true um, that Tucker and, is an elitist, right? In a lot of ways, but there are these intersecting, he does want to sell himself to some people as like, which is... It's just, that's their point, but the point I'm, I lost my train of thought, but it's just. Strasserism is, is one, like Strasserism, right. there's national Bolshevism, well, right? Like there, there are, you know, like, yes, okay. Like within the Nazi movement, there are people who right. are elitists and people who lean more into the worker, right? right. Um, and, and there's a tension between the two. I don't know if I want to bring the, the Natspol Strasser words in, but <laughs> I mean. But then we just like triggered, triggered everybody. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not afraid. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like this is just, it's so ineffective to premise everything on this. And the reason why they're premising everything on this is because they're attached to a form of politics that is about identifying yourself and identifying your social being. Um, according to a common denominator. And that common denominator is a common enemy. So I can't have solidarity with you unless we have something identically in common. We're identical in some way. And the way that they are squaring the circle is we're identical because of, you know, we're the ones who make the things in the society, not the ones who take the things in the society. Um, and, you know, it's, and it's not that they're, aren't 
profound injustices and profound all at once transformations that need to be happen happening across all of these registers. But what I would want to point out is dividing things into who is existing for themselves uh, like fully versus who is existing for another person instead of themselves fully. If you were to actually tell a complete story of the of what is involved in the actualization of any particular thing, it's gonna implicate every other thing. We're irreducibly interdependent. Um, and it's actually a form of creating an account, creating, you know, positing like an, an accounting system, one could say a medium, right? Like a, but again, a currency. I, 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 um, but I want to stay, I want to stay clear because I think we can get a little lost in the, I don't know, in the, as far as making and taking, it, it, I don't want it to be in a way where it sounds like we're we're making excuses for these injustices and dispossessions and 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 these structures. I mean, I think there are structures that that encourage dispossession and that um, no, totally, he, and that it's true that he defends them. And and we don't want to say the left and left seeing Tucker in this way is is identical to him like but the point is it and it's not to say like oh like look you're you're against the boss and that's just like creating a zero sum game and we'll make better but it's not about that it's like no it's good to be against those injustices and 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 so i could see where you want to say look the workers are making the money the boss is taking it because that is all liberal i mean i think i want we want to make clear when we we say this taking and this that the, 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 it's the whole structure. Do, do you know what I mean? I mean, there's relations of dependence that go across all of these different directions. And I guess what's important well, we don't to want is to that these naturalize directions don't, them. don't cancel each other out. Right. right? But we don't want to naturalize um, these. Yeah. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to relate. I don't want to, I don't want to naturalize though, like imbalanced dependence. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that what naturalizes it is when we try to, reduce all of it to a single uh, binary reading. Not to say that there are not instances where people are structurally forced into situations where they are basically living under authoritarian conditions that they have no choice over. Well, and that also that's part of the whole history of colonization and... Totally. But, but you don't have to read colonization on the terms of how colonizers see the world. And the terms of how colonizers see the world is that there was land, there was nature, and they showed up and used it, right? And, and, that, was a, and that was a binary encounter, right? Rather than a world that was already interdependent and them acting as violent rogue actors ignoring their, you know, their interdependence, right? And like, you hear the way that Tucker Carlson talks about it, right? Like he says that, oh, they benefited, we didn't, right? right? Like where where he, he says that the dependence was a one directional thing. I, I mean, I guess another way to put it is we don't have an alternative as when we speak, we can't articulate all of it at once. Um, all that we can do is articulate parts of it and do so in ways that are reflexive about their incompleteness.
And so we can articulate the relationship between a worker and a boss as an unfair power dynamic. We don't have to sacrifice that. Right. Well, and that's, um, we, we can articulate that, articulate but, the but it, cause it's kind of like Tucker's saying, you know, he's saying like, look, me and my people have always been bosses and like to like have them not rise up against us and become Bolsheviks. Like we need to like, uh, we need to take a little better care of our employees, but not a lot, you know, but, and then, <laughs> and then like this Jacobin reading saying, look, he's, he's the bosses uh, and it's like well a he like literally has like always said that basically like he will also yeah he, he, his interest in the workers even when he puts on that is very much this patrician it's like there are working class people who have patrician relationships consciously with elite like uh right wingers like that's part of right like pinochet is like popular mm-hmm. in the south of chile in the rural chile like the you know, like, and he did a lot of public works in the south of Chile and, uh, you know, the the Waso country people. It's like he there's an exchange going on, too, where it's like he knows he's the boss. Like there's more complexity than just boss or not. And that's not to say that CNN bosses are good, but we shouldn't fall for his misdirection where he's like, well, look, CNN bosses aren't good either. It's like, well, okay, but that doesn't mean your patrician politics. And then if you're just going to say, oh, look, well, he's. He's for some of the downtrodden. It's like, well, did you notice he's like, he's like giving them crew cuts and they're like gonna, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, what's the goal? <laughs> like there's histories of patrician <laughs> things like this. Yeah, you know? I mean, in, in, in order to articulate something as truly zero sum and not involving other directions of relation, but also a possibility to be transformed, right? It has to be, Artic- like there has to be a homogenizing medium for for something to actually be measured as zero sum. This person exists objectively for that person and not the other way around. Um, and and that is in economic terms, right? That's why economics doesn't have a theory of monetary contestation and money having multiple layers and involving language and being contestable from outside. And also the way it works, that it's a public franchise, right? That it's not like it just, that, that it's always, money is not like coming from original accounts of, that get balanced. It's just not the way it works. And then you get it back to zero, 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 and then you start again. It's like, no, there was no original water cycle where the funds get turned on or off or like banks just mm-hmm. make money and yeah and the banks are franchised by the government you know people just get credit and then that's all super racialized and that's all do you know what i mean like but it's it's just not understanding how the rules work at all i don't know yeah well and it being racialized also speaks to another grammar of violence and dependence that's not reducible to just the monetary medium working at the location of wage labor Right. There's, you know, in the United States, there's lots of theorizing about this, right? Wages of whiteness. Credit for credit for real estate. Like, yeah. And like, it's really important to say that like Southern elites, you know, used race in order to in order to solidify their economic advantage over poor white people and prevent poor white people from organizing with poor black people. Right. That is important to say. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that white supremacy isn't real and doesn't also have real 
isn't a real cultural currency for people with with a real like these things are complicated and when it's anti and when it's anti-elite like you have to interrogate what that means i mean it's there's all kinds of ways where like this guy was on the other day like look when i was a bernie staffer we we were both I, i laughed with the biden staffer that you know at least we didn't have candidates who worked at McKinsey, like Pete Buttigieg, this, this like folksiness can very quickly deceive people. And it, it is true that there's, there's different uh, backgrounds people come from monetarily, right? Like how much they have access to and, and all these things, but just the fact that it's not just like everybody who's invested in, in this, like, I lost my train of thought, but it's not like everybody who's invested yeah. in this folksiness isn't a fascist and I, I lost my train of thought but yeah. yeah well I mean so I mean perhaps another way of looking at it right is like like in order to actually contest these zero-sum experiences that people are forced into you need a way of reading structure that is that is not zero-sum in the precise ways that the structures are set up to claim that they are Um, because what do we mean by that that how do we want to flesh that out like what's calling back to what to what we were saying earlier about you know like empirically unemployment is cyclical that is a reality at the same time that it is cyclical that cyclicality is predicated on an ongoing refusal and obfuscation of the possibility of full employment that's there the whole time, right? Um, and so we can say that that unemployment, like obviously that's a real injustice, right? Like we don't wanna just say, oh, well, money's infinite. Why don't you get a job? Yeah, and it's, and it's contesting what was already also like in terms of like, you know, is the country, you know, some people will say, look, like full employment. That's fascist. That's what the fascists did, right? Which is not, but like, and they're like, this is a country of slavery and play employment, right? But it's like, also the point though is that like, you know, the labor is is being contested. What labor? We're always doing something. It's contesting what labor should be valued, what labor we should be able to do, right? Like for the public purpose mm-hmm. and fairly as a society, right? And that's precisely the point that in a in a, a scarce, you know, like privatized uh, world or in a, in a world where you're, you're, you're always employed, right? But you're, you're made a slave or you're made unemployed, right? Like, but you're always working for something. For multiple things. Public, empl- full employment is about naming that people yeah, are. It's about recognizing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, like if I'm closing my yeah. eyes and not and not acknowledging that there's somebody who is, you know, maintaining the streets that are, you know, outside of my apartment building, right? Like then I can, you know, then according to me, <laughs> there's, you know, nobody's doing that work. Mm. And if I'm the currency issuer, mm. then that's unemployment and that's not part of what I'm accounting for. Mm-hmm. But like obviously that maintenance is part of the world, whether or not it's being accounted for via one medium. And or it's fairly accounted in, for, right? And, and right. Yeah. The outside of what can be accounted for specifically, 
there it always gets accounted for in some way yeah by the system and and the settler colonial way of accounting for the outside is through this homogenous figure of nature or the frontier or you know outside of civilization right and civilization is the economy civilization is you know and this is Tucker Carlson's mercantilist kind of worldview, right. right? Where the economy for him is actually civilization. But also at the same time where he has a side where he he has this, you know, when he has changed the rusty anchor, you know, against the eternal main barn, there's also an element of like um, where he he also will say, right, like at the end of the day, I don't care about the economy, right? I, I care. I care that just the kids can do a little better, like he erases the economy when it's clearly still economic, right? But he's like, he wants to, that Franciscan move even, like, I don't even care about the numbers or the money. I just want people to be okay in the homestead. And, you know, where him, he always cites the Middle East as like the, he's like, the real reason, you know, like men are going to like, the testosterone is going to go down. We're going to get less sperm. The women are going to have the babies, but not be married. They won't have fathers, you know? And he's like, uh, they'll have the loans. Men, he's like, and in nature, it's not good to have celibate men. And like what we're like right now is the Middle East where there's high inequality. God, he and just inequality goes all over the place men... with this fucking like <laughs> Jesus Christ. You can't even you Sorry. can't even keep up with all the like <laughs> shitty, horrible things that he's saying. Cause like as soon as you're trying to pick apart what he said about Middle Easterners, he's like in South America saying something about drugs. Like it's just <laughs> I know. Well, he does have, I mean, that's like when he goes, you know, to Hungary and he's like, look, like you get to keep your house clean the way you want to keep your house clean. And like, look, like you shouldn't just have to like take people in and people making you do that are, are intolerant fascists. Right. You know, and he talks about like in the U S like I went to Skid Row and they, you know, they just like, people get mad at you if you don't just want the police to take them away. Do you know what I mean? He's like, people just started tolerating the homeless. But um, but his my point was that I, I don't know what my point was, but um, that's classic us. But the thing he's naturalizing, you know, genocide and and because you're talking about the frontier and all these erasures, right? This oh yeah. god, disabled people. There's no order. Well, you're calling me a fascist. Oh god, immigrants. Well, it's your right to kick them out of your house, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and it's the same thing that's happening when he's like naturalizing that. The genocide of that frontier right and and he's he's creating a world where they were the ones that kind of always had it because you have to have good elites and you know like it's this patrician view where you're always erasing like slavery is the most patrician unaccounting for like not only do they have no democratic say in uh their labor and the parts of their labor there's also Mm -hmm. no recognition right and so it's like not only do you want to democratically organize labor the best of your ability over time but you want to do that in a way that includes everybody and that is accounting for it right and so public full employment is creating this inclusivity that he's he's rejecting because he doesn't see how you can just if you want account for jobs and he's like no Mm -hmm. no that's not true there's a frontier where we have to genocide somebody like gravity is going to break down. And, 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 and when you, when you read it as in the left that he's just betraying that you're missing that it's buying into liberal economics from the beginning, you know? Yeah. And, and this is, and this is actually, I think it gets to 
it gets to explaining in a really cogent way what we mean when we say univocity, because the reason why he doesn't, he can't imagine accounting for everybody having a job is because to him, that means that one entity or one voice has to name every single job, right? Whereas interdependence and jobs and all of the different ways and all the different directions at once in which we're involved analogically in the actualization of the present moment and the future and all these different things that cannot be accounted for by one voice. But nevertheless, accounting and you know voices making accounting systems are constitutive of that even as they don't exhaust it and so what's important is when we when we account for things even when we do observe something that's operating in a zero-sum way where people are being hurt because other people are not being hurt right we do that in a way that's reflexive about the fact that that doesn't identically summarize how the world is being created, but also how the like how that can be changed. It's not that it works in a zero sum way and therefore we can only solve it in a zero sum way, but actually the zero sum way that it works is symptomatic of ways of thinking that that foreclose non zero sum ways of operating right right it's like when you privatize big far yeah like uh i think we're gonna do an episode we're gonna do an episode debunking inflation to an extent with mitch but i know that that, that andres was talking about today like people people andres bernal like people uh you know to understand the things that do happen with inflation are because of private you know or because of the shrinking privatization of things like pharma and food and things that we should have democratic public control like not as into naturalized inflation but as in like the symptoms in the economy where you say oh like my big pharma is fucking me over it's like or like this thing where they're like your your assets or no your debt is somebody else's asset it's like well not always sometimes it's just like so if we don't like if we want to like have the government cancel loans but we don't even understand how government loans worked in the first place do you know what i mean like it's not i'm not being very clear but it's like how i lost my my original where you were coming from but it's okay i think i think we're pretty much like i mean i'm ready to to start wrapping up yeah yeah i think that's what we're kind of doing in a way like because i think we're trying to articulate like what is what is limited in the economic vision and how this left misunderstanding of Tucker's like says some things, but is he lying? You know, um, is <laughs> yeah, and, and, try- and, and trying to trying to use Tucker's framing to like lawyer your way out of like his, you know, prove that actually of according to his own logic. Like, I'm sorry, but he's right according to his own logic. Like, you need right. to you you need to yeah. reject his logic. Like, that's right. You know, right. Um, yeah 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 yeah. you know even if you happen to catch him being sloppy like you know like okay good for you like there's there's going to be a more cunning person coming around the corner who's like 
I think this is hard for people to understand to an extent. So we wanted to flesh out like what we mean that the economy doesn't quiet. I know we're, we've been circling around that, but like, what is the way the economy works? Like what, well, is that too big of a question? But this, I feel we have also circled that in the way, but I think it's good to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe this answer will kind of perform this broader point, which is nobody can say there's no answer that, that says all at once how everything in the world gets made, right? Because this is too complicated. We can say that, that, you know, govern, like the MMT answer is, which is part, an important part of reality, is that the government spends money into existence to employ people to do things, right? That's the first mover of how money and jobs are created vis-a-vis dollar denominated work. Um, you know, you have that little fiscal circuit, you combine that with, with private property and people accumulating money and you can have capitalists employing people to, to do things. And of course, it's not just, you know, these are private employment contracts. These are, you know, always, it's always public charters to, to do all of these things. Right. So like you can have within the universe of, of the dollar, right. Um, you have like a really complicated explanation of of employment and how employment works you know it is both a public franchise but it also is a public franchise that is administered in all kinds of times and places you know by different people some of whom are very aware that you know bureaucrats are very aware that they're doing this as a public thing you have people who are not aware that it's public who think that they're like the last cowboy on the frontier hiring people in the pharmacy or whatever. Um, so like you can have all of that, but it's important to say that that's not a complete explanation of how the world gets created. Um, because there's, you know, there are lots of people, people who are unemployed often participate in creating the culture in like really important ways that they don't get recognized for or or identified you know like you have you know and people who are the most marginalized people i just rewatched paris is burning which is about the uh you know the ball competition scene um in in harlem in the 80s and 90s um and oftentimes the contestants there are unemployed, right? Like relative to the dollar, they've been named as unskilled, unemployable people who are, you know, who can't, you know, can't do anything. Um, and yet there's all kinds of ways, it's super interesting where, you know, words like work are reclaimed. And this could be publicly reclaimed. This could be publicly named as opposed to just like, look, Tucker supports your boss at the tire company. Right. Like that doesn't, that's, that might be yeah. true. Right. But that's oh, right. not enough, but that alone doesn't make you think about how you will be able to, in an abolitionist way, build a fair economy like that's, and that's, and fair labor. Right. And that's, and these namings of this as part of the public is precisely the naming that's not violent. Right. It's, it's uh, the good day. And that's that Coretta Scott's King. We've never seriously confronted the idea of a peacetime economy. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's and really beautiful. And not naming those kinds of work is not a peacetime economy. That's right. And and the point is, you know, when like you talk about, you know, like drag, 
you know, competitions, um, the fact that that often, you know, these are people who have been forced into economic precarity and economic exclusion, you know, this isn't to say, but aha, they're actually part of capitalism, or they're actually serving the dollar, right? It's to say that, that whether it's civilization versus the frontier, or it's dollar versus non-dollar, right? Like all of these, you know, whatever we construct is an analogy, is partial, is an analogy of this interdependent whole, but it's not, it can't fully subsume it. And we have to be honest about that and reflexive about that and not come up with ways to otherize the people who we can't account for by saying, oh, it's because they're not doing anything or it's because we we aren't reliant on them. They're unemployed, therefore they're not contributing. Like, I'm sorry, but a lot of, you know, I mean, this is, you know, this is a long story, right? Like cultural appropriation, like a lot of these things, you know, a lot of the phrases that we use come from, you know, queer communities of color first that, that have been named as non-contributing and yet, you know, they're contributing at the most basic fundamental constitutive level of our language, right? Like Well, and trying to trying to connect that left, you know, that left move that 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 can correlate to Tucker, that boiling down where you're like, we can't, we can't let race distract us from monetary from class, aka monetary scarcity, right? It's like, well, when by taking race out, you've you've missed huge realms, like you said earlier, of of scare like of monetary scarcity within the system, this analogical, like this lack of includedness. And so you can't, if you can't see these like million ways of things that have historically occurred and you're just boiling it down to some found reality, you can't, you can't name a lot of the things that have occurred, right? I mean, if yeah, you just like- Yeah, At, to some degree, you, you can only speak negatively about, you know. Yeah. You know, but it's just what like if how, how can of, how can wages for housework make sense in that vision? Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, and there's and there's a way where even when you know, because you'll be like, every, well, that's that's just not a job. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, well, and it right, and it's and there's a, so it a tendency them, that yeah. that that Marxism has has struggled with and tried to reconcile, right? The like. How do you explain what what happens outside of wage labor, um, right. and how do you do so in a way that's not at the level of structure and appendage to wage labor, right, right? Right. But but which is actually involved in contestation in a creative and active way on its own terms. Right. Right. And you're naturalizing the cyclical economy where it's just like look sometimes you're you end up on the wrong end because of history and that's you know in this battle of history the working class loses and it, and it's true that there's like a, a a movement of people who are disempowered and where that continues over time right it's not like like we're just born into some uh, you know but the point is that <laughs> the point is that you need to not naturalize the cycle is like just that's how it works and you know what i mean like yeah, well, be, because what else is cyclical? It's compulsive behaviors to shore up something that's wrong, right? Like that also, if you measure it with a fucking line graph, is going to look cyclical. An abusive relationship has a honeymoon period that's followed by a period that's shitty, right? Like the, these things all 
you know, in order to square the circle that that isn't articulated correctly in the first place, yeah, you're you're gonna compulsively be violent and unemploy a bunch of people, and then to and then to then stand try to stand outside of yourself doing that and be like, aha, it's a cyclical law of nature. Like it's just employer unemployed, employer yeah. unemployed, or, or employer employee employer employee. When you put the locus as starting there, as opposed to part of the whole design of the whole thing, and the then you are recreating Tucker's idea of the elite where he's this patrician elite. And he's like, look, you always have, and he wants to like bring up the bottom a little bit so they don't have a revolution, right? But if I reaffirm the idea of the bottom, it's hard to like figure out how I can name the space of, of, of the, how I can name space for the bottom when I affirm the cycle that the boss is affirming, right? Like, uh, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. And, and I think that the first step towards disempowering the people who lord over you because they've been categorized as a boss is to stop taking their description of how, of, of who's working and who's essential and who's not essential. Like stop taking all of that at face value and recognize that even when they refuse to employ you, you're actually, you're not like a lumpen, you know, non-contributing, whatever, like, no, like this, you, you are contributing. You're not on strike against the system. Yeah, yeah. completely. Um, yeah, I think we've, I think we've in our own way, we went longer than we intended. And I think like less directly at this, but I think I like the way we analogically kind of spiraled towards these associations. Cause these are tricky questions that I think I think that I a lot of people do really flatly in a way where it's it's hard because there's a way you can do this argument where they'll just be like oh you're you're misunderstanding us you know you're you're reading Tucker into us in a way that's unfair and you have to kind of like come at it from angles yeah so it's right. not too rough do you know totally. what I mean um yeah and and yeah. likewise you know analogically right like Tucker would yeah. say I'm not the same exact thing as a Confederate slave owner and like okay he's not exactly the same thing but like come on <laughs> like there's a relationship I mean you know um yeah not that yeah far, right Adam. yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> oh Shallow words breed nothing new, shallow words breed nothing.